good morning. Would you guys pray with me really quick? God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is a light to our path and a lamp unto our feet. God, that in our troubles and our worries and our doubts, your word is there. In our joy, in our love, in our peace, your word is there. So God, may your word guide us this morning. May it be what we put our hope and our faith and our trust in. And may we be changed by the way you speak to us this morning. In your name, amen. Go ahead and grab a seat, you guys. Well, for those of you that might not know me, my name is Blake Plimpton. I'm the pastoral assistant here at the church, um, and I'm very excited to be preaching this morning. Now, another thing about today, many of you guys know, it's Father's Day. So for those of you fathers or soon-to-be fathers or those who maybe want to be fathers one day, happy Father's Day. And I uh, just wanted to just wanted to say a little bit about my own dad, um, and we'll talk about this I'll bring up more about my dad later in the sermon, but I just wanted to share a little bit about him. Now, how many of you guys know somebody who just loves what they do and do it all the time? Like nonstop, all the time, it's what they're doing. Yeah, that's my dad. My dad loves cars. And any time he can turn a wrench on a car or do something, he's, he's just there. He loves it. Um, he works as a mechanic at a shop, so he's there Monday through Friday. Sometimes he'll come home and he'll work on cars. Growing up, he would like finish work and then he'd help me work on a motorcycle I was working on or a car I'd be working on. Um, but he just loves it. And then on Saturdays, sometimes he'll have people from the church growing up. He would have people uh, like single moms or widowed or elderly people. He'd have them come over and he'd work on their car for them. Um, and just bless them. And then on Sunday, he would then pop up the recliner and then watch all of the TV shows, all of the car shows he missed throughout the week uh, because he missed them because he was working on cars. So that's, my, and my, I mean, I tell people too, like if you could drink motor oil, my dad probably would. Um, I mean, he just loves cars, just loves them. And so, and, and, I'll, and I'll talk more about this soon, but it's important to remember, like, my dad is a mechanic, and I grew up in, as a mechanic's son. And so, having that experience is just awesome, and I love my dad for it. But um, if you don't mind, go ahead and pull out your Bibles. If you don't have one, there's one in front of you. We're going to be in Acts chapter 4 today, so you can follow along. We're basically going to be going through the story. And if you're new and you haven't heard, um, you haven't heard the past few sermons or don't know, it's okay. We're gonna, we're, I'll kind of walk us through it. See, Acts chapter four. This section we read today is just a continuation of a story beforehand. Father Peter preached on it two weeks ago. Father Bob preached on it last week, and then I get to close us off today. And so here's a story so far: is that Peter and John were on their way to the temple. They're on their way to worship, and they met a beggar, a lame man outside of the gate. And they listened to him, and they heard his story, and he's like, got any money? And they're like, no, but what we do have, we give to you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, rise and walk. And so this man, who is lame from birth, walks. And so the three of them walk into the city together, and the, and the man's jumping and joyful and, and just so happy, and people around are noticing. Like, people are just taking and paying attention. And so then Peter talks to the people of God, and he tells them, about Jesus. And he says, it's by this man, Jesus, that this, he's able to walk, the one who died and raised from the dead. And so he encourages them, praise them. And this happens for a couple hours. And then this is right where we pick up in the story. So in Acts chapter four, verse one, we see right away that the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees, they're all starting to get involved. They're like, what's going on? Right. And then in verse two, 
it tells us tells us why they got involved. They got involved because they were, they were mad at Peter and John for proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. Right? They're mad at them for proclaiming the resurrection of the dead in Jesus. Right? This is important. Right? One of the one of the one of the figures mentioned here are the Sadducees, and they at the time they would have thought preaching that resurrection to be dangerous. Right? They didn't they didn't think the Messiah had come yet. They, they were certain, he's like, we're still waiting on the Messiah. We're still waiting on the resurrection of the dead. See, they believed that when he would come, that's when this would happen. So they're kind of like, hey, we got we to gotta stop this, right? But again, they'd been doing this for hours. And so we see in verse 3 or verse 4 that there were 5,000 people who came to believe. 5,000 people who came to believe the words that Peter and John were giving them. So they get involved and they stop this. And so they put them in jail or prison or whatever it was called back then. And they held them to the morning, right? Because it's getting evening, it's getting dark, like there's no street lights, And people are like, hey, we got to go home before we can't see the hand in front of our own face. And so they're like, we'll take care of this in the morning. So verse 5, we see that they, they get there in the morning. And now I imagine the rulers and the elders or Sadducees, all the people there, they're like, oh, yeah, we got them. We got this easy, right? Like, uh, you know, we've seen this before. We've handled this. Like, we got them easy. We'll just ask them a couple questions and then, you know, get them out of here, arrest them, do whatever we want. So they're probably walking all in, fist bumping each other. You know, it's like a smug. And then they do like the, the breakfast club fist bump on their way in or something. You know, but they're just, they're probably like, we got this. So they get there in the morning. They're in the court. Peter and John are there. Um, the rulers and leaders and elders are there. And they start to to ask him this question. They start by asking him a simple question. It says, by what power or by what name did you do this? By what power and by what name did you do this? See, this probably wasn't the first time something like this might have happened or whatever it might be, right? And they're worried about the power and the name because people were worshiping openly other gods then. Right? There'd be shrines all over the place. People were worshiping the god of Baal, the god of Ra, the god of Zeus, the god of this and that. And like people would have to say, you know, Lord Caesar, so they're worshiping him. And so they're like, by what name or power did you do this? Right? And, and this is important. They're like, hey, we're, we're the ones guiding the people of God. Right? We're the priests in the temple. We're, the, we're, the, we're there. We're helping the Jewish people and we're guiding them and we're waiting for the Messiah. So we need to know. Right? If someone were to walk in here and be like, hey, by the way, guys, I think we should worship, you know, whatever, right? It's not like we would be like, yeah, you know what? Come on up. Let's hear it. Let's hear the sermon. Just have a good time. No. We would be like, no, get out of here. In the name of Jesus Christ is what, is what we live by. We, don't, we worship only God. Right? And so they're concerned with the, with, for the care of their people. They're concerned that they're worshiping Yahweh and that they're still believing in him that the Messiah would come. Right? And so Peter, as he often did throughout the all of the Gospels, and he does again here, he opens his mouth and speaks. But I want you to notice what he says, starting in verse 8. I want you to notice what he says about the power. Well, what power is it? So verse 8, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we be, are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, 
whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. By him, this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is a stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Dang. Go Peter, right? He just steps up and he proclaims the truth and the gospel in front of these people in the midst when he's in trouble. He's in court. He was just arrested. Him and John are standing there and they proclaim the name of Christ without fear, without worry. Right, And I imagine Peter in this moment, he has a bunch of fingers pointing at him, and he's like, you know, I'm just, it wasn't me. If you, have a, if you have a problem with this, you know, just go to the big guy. Right? And he kind of just steps out of the way. And this shows how Peter and John trusted Christ, and they knew that he'd be working through them in the power of the Holy Spirit. Right? And I would, man, I would not want to be Caiaphas or Annas or one of the rulers or leaders there, right? Can you imagine? He said, hey, you're the ones who crucified him. You're the ones who rejected the Messiah who came to save you, who came to save his people. You're the ones who did this, not me, you. I wasn't there saying crucify him, crucify him. I was away. I didn't want him to die. Right, so the very people in this moment who are like, hey, we got them. We're good. We're easy peasy, lemon squeezy. We got this in the bag. Get kind of put in their place. They're like, oh man. Right? And so Peter giving God all the glory and the honor proclaims the healing of this man that this is Jesus. This is Jesus who did this. This is the same Jesus who is, has the higher name above every other name. Right, and it didn't meet, it, at the moment, it didn't change the hearts of the people he was saying this to. The rulers and the Sadducees, they're a little concerned about themselves, but it did change the 5,000 people that they had spoken to the day before. It had changed the hearts of 5,000 people to come and to believe in the name of Jesus that they might be saved. Right, and as I was reading, Father Bob helped me out a lot and gave me this commentary to read by N.T. Wright. I found these sentences that just struck me. And it says this. He says, The kingdom of God is not about talk, but about power. Where God's power is at work to bring real change, real healing, real new life, there the people who are naming the name of Jesus to bring it about can stand up before judges, whether political or religious, and say with integrity that they are speaking for God. It will be costly, that's part of the deal, but it will be true. It will be true. See, Peter and John, they didn't have to worry about what they were going to say. They didn't even have to worry about staying overnight in, in arrested. They didn't have to worry about going in front of the court and being questioned about this because it was God. It was Jesus. It was the power of the Holy Spirit that this man was healed. They had nothing on him. Right? And so in Acts 4.13, we see that this is, they were astonished. Right? Verse 13, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was heal, healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say 
in opposition. They just sat there, dumbfounded, not able to say anything. They're confused and they're lost. They're, wait, I just, they don't get it. Because here are just two normal people, right? They weren't educated people. They weren't educated like the priests and the scribes and those teaching in the temple who were taught how to read scripture and then convey it to the people of God. They're just two normal men. But they had been with Jesus. They'd been with Jesus. They had seen him working. Right, and to top it off, here's a 40-year-old man that probably all of these priests and the Sadducees and everyone just walked by every day for their whole lives, knowing that he was lame since birth, knowing that he couldn't walk and he couldn't jump and he couldn't leap, and then and yet he was standing beside them. He was standing beside Peter and John. Right, and so we see at this point they really didn't have anything they could do. Right, no punishment or penalty. Just let them go, kind of like slap on the hand with the warning. And so here's what they tell them. In verse 15, But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Man, don't speak in the name of Jesus anymore? These, these people, they just still don't get it, right? Here are Peter and John telling them about the Messiah that they had been waiting for, telling them about the one who would bring about a new kingdom. And they just don't get it. Right? But the Jews and the people of God that were listening and saw the man come in and listened to Peter and John the day before, they believed. Their hearts were changed and they came to believe in Jesus, the Messiah. Right? And so the elders and leaders and Sadducees, too concerned about their own position or not willing to listen because they still felt they were smarter, whatever it might be, just decided to ignore Peter and John. Well, Peter, he doesn't like this. And as Peter does, he speaks up. So in verse 19, here Peter says this, but Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go finding no way to punish them because of the people, for all were praising God for what had happened. Right? Still, they don't get it. They don't get it. Right? They're, the world that they understood and they come to know, the one that they thought would come and take over the Roman Empire never did, so they're still waiting. And they wait and they wait and they just don't get it. And so they threaten them more, still not being able to do anything to them. Right? And... And he says here, Luke reminds us that they were all praising God for what had happened. Right? So the priests can't be mad. It's like, well, they're not praising Zeus or they're not praising Ra or whatever Egyptian god of healing there is. They're not praising Thor. They're not like praising the government that they live in. They're not praising Lord Caesar for saving this man. They're not praising technology. Right? No medical advancement, whatever it might be. They're not giving praise to that. They're giving praise to God. 
The same people that the priests and leaders who were leading the Jews to worship God were now worshiping God because of things that Peter and John had told them. Right? They're worshiping God for bringing the Messiah, for bringing the one who would bring about a new kingdom. Right? See, Peter and John are just trying to be faithful, simply trying to be faithful to the things that God had given them. Right? Peter and John had walked with Jesus. This was evident to the leaders at the time that they had walked with him. And Jesus entrusted his disciples to go and make more disciples, to proclaim his name, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And that's just what they were doing. Right? Mark 16 tells us this is what Jesus said to his disciples. Mark 16, 15, 15, it says, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. This is what they're doing. In the name of Jesus, Peter and John are going out and seeing these things happen, seeing God work and move through them, right? They will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. Well, they already seen that. We know in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit came down as a tongue of fire and gave them new languages of all sorts. And people from all over started to hear the word of God for the first time. I mean, it's a cool story later, but I mean, even Paul, he gets bitten by a serpent, a poisonous serpent, and just picks it and rips it off and just throws it to the ground. Like, these things are happening even in front of their own eyes, right? And they're just being faithful. Peter and John are just being faithful. They're not trusting in their own abilities or their own work or their own might to be able to do these. They're just participating in the continued work of God. And that's all we're asked to do. That's all we're asked to do is to, to participate in the work of God that he has been doing since creation and rejoice. As, as someone who grew up as a Christian, sometimes I can get in my own way. Sometimes I can think, man, maybe God doesn't want to use me. Maybe I'm too sinful of a person, too broken, too hurt. I can't, I can't do this. God, I can't, I can't bring this person to believe in you. I, I can't, like, I just, I don't feel like I can do this, so why am I even going to bother? I'm just going to go about my work and keep doing my things, right? Or sometimes I think, man, I can't do this because, well, maybe I'm not, maybe I'm not educated enough. Maybe I don't know enough. Like, God, what if I go and I talk to this person, I just can't remember your word, and I stumble over my mouth, my words like Moses, and, it just, and I'm like, I just, God, I just can't, so maybe I just won't. Right? Or sometimes I think, you know what, God, I can't, I can't give this person money because I just don't make enough. I don't have the job or I don't have, I just don't have enough money to do these things. And yet you want me to give and you want me to bless and you want me, I just, how can I do it? How can I do this? Right? And then sometimes I even get so far as to say, man, I might hinder what you're doing, God. Maybe I'm going to get in the way. Well, if I say something or I do something, maybe I'll stop you from working and prevent you from doing whatever your work it is. Maybe I'll be the reason that they go the other way instead of following you. And I couldn't help but as I was reading this and 
meditating over it, is just thinking, Blake, there's nothing you can do that can stop God from redeeming this world. There is nothing you can do that's going to stop God from redeeming this world. Nothing, period, right? And there's nothing that anyone can do that is going to stop God from redeeming this world. Right? We've seen the stories. We know the stories of, of growing up in church, right? I know that Pharaoh enslaved the Israelites for 400 years because they had gotten too big and too powerful and he wanted control, so he enslaved them and put them as prisoners and whipped them and killed them and just used them. And the people of God cried out saying, God, rescue us, rescue us, rescue us. And he did. And God did. He rescued the Israelites from their slavery. And he brought them out of it and he put Pharaoh in his place. Right? Even after that, these, the Israelites went against armies and nations, fighting, going, trying to get to the promised land that God had taught, told them about. And they would see armies that were ten times larger than what they could imagine. And yet, God brought them through it. Through the power of God, they were able to beat these nations. Right? There's even a story of King Nebuchadnezzar throwing Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in a furnace. And on the way to the furnace, the people that were throwing them in there died because the flame was too, heat, too hot. And yet, those three survived the flame because God kept them alive so they could be a witness to his coming kingdom. God has been moving since the beginning of creation. And he's been looking for ways for us to participate in that, right? I mean, even another way, the Jews in the Roman Empire tried to murder Jesus and put him in the grave. They said, we don't like this guy, right? Peter reminded them, hey, you're the ones who crucified him. You're the ones who rejected him. And yet, God raised him from the dead. It didn't stop the coming kingdom. It didn't stop God working in this world. It didn't stop him from redeeming his creation. So if there's nothing I can do that's going to stop God from redeeming this world, then why not join him? Then why not rejoice? Why not open my eyes to see how God is working every day around me? We must participate in the good works that he is doing and then respond in joy and laughter and praise and wonder. Participate with God as he continues to do his work in this world. And this brings me back to the story of my dad. See, growing up as a mechanic's son, you see your dad work on a lot of cars, like I told you. And I remember when I was younger, when I was a little kid, I'd always ask my dad, like, oh, dad, can I help you? Can I help you work on a car? He might be like changing a starter or radiator oil or something like that. And my dad would say when I was really little, he'd say, no, no. I'm like, I'm fine. And I'd walk off, right? But it was probably a good thing. Um, if I would have helped, I probably would have got like oil in my eyes or like jammed my finger and lost something. Um, so it was probably a good thing he didn't help me. But when I was about like 13, I remember there was one night he was working on uh, this GMC truck. Don't ask me why I remember it, but he's working on this GMC truck and he was replacing the radiator in it. And I asked him, hey dad, can I help you? And he looked at me, he's like, yeah, sure. I was like, no way. So I like run into my room right away and I get changed and I like 
get ready. And then my dad is ready for me when I get out there. You know, he got like this, uh, like the milk carton crate. And instead of putting it down where it's like, you know, I have more surface area on top, he like put it up high. So it's nice and unstable for me. So I jumped up on top of that. And then he like hands me the radiator. I'm like, yeah, I got it right. And then I'm like holding this, trying to get it in. And my dad's like holding it the whole time. So I'm mostly just trying to not fall. Um, and, and so we put it in there and then we put the upper hose and the lower hose on and we get it in. Oh, that felt so good. That felt so good to get that radiator in. And, and, and that was it, right? And, I've, and I mean, it was so, such a good feeling to help my dad do what he was doing. And then I remember probably going into school the next day being like, yeah, I changed the radiator yesterday. No big deal, right? Just a little 13-year-old me trying to impress anyone. Um, <laughs> and, so, and that's what I did, right? But I was so happy and I was filled with this joy that I could help my dad, right? And that's, that's all God is wanting from us. He's working and he's working in people's lives and he's saying, come, help me. Come, be a part of the work that I'm doing. You don't, you don't have to do it. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have everything together. You don't have to figure it all out. He's like, I, I'm doing this. So come help me. And we can participate in that same joy by opening our eyes, right? How is God moving in our families? How is he moving at our work? What is he doing in the people's lives that you're in every day? How is he working in your life? How can you help him move in you and work in you and through you? Because there's nothing you're going to do, nothing you're going to do that's going to stop God from redeeming his creation. Nothing. So join him. Join him at church here with the people here as he continues to work through us every day. Join him at your work with the people who come to you with their problems, with their worries, with their doubts. Share with them the good news of our hope and our salvation. Join him as he's working with your spouse or with your kids as they have questions and they're discovering who God is and who God is revealing them as. Join him and rejoice. Join him give him praise. Join him and give him all the glory and all of the honor. Amen? Amen. Amen.